0: Hey, if you're loving creative mind, check out some of our past episodes where we dive deep into topics like children's book illustration, video game design, filmmaking, and of course the most important topic of all, how do you make a living as an artist? So please hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so you never miss an episode. And check out the show notes for links to our Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube page for even more great content. I was literally bussing tables
1: at a, at a restaurant when I was negotiating my first deal for a feature film. And I was very, very fortunate. I was 24 years old and found myself on a, on a film set in Stockton, California, uh, with Aeroflex cameras and trucks and a crew and a million dollar budget and a 30-day
0: schedule directing my first feature film. That was writer-director Doug Campbell, the guy behind such films as Stocked By My Doctor, Stocked By My Doctor, The Return, and Double Mommy, and really more great women in peril thrillers you may have seen on channels like Lifetime, Netflix, or maybe even on late night cable. Now, that is not a snarky intro at all. Doug is a master at making lower budget, short production time, exciting thriller films for cable and the international market. A great job if you can get it in one I, I would love to have. And Doug teaches directing classes also at Academy of Art. And they're really boot camps on getting your film made and getting you comfortable in talking to your actors. And having taken one of his classes, I cannot stress enough how eye-opening his teaching style is. But on his first film out of college, Doug had to learn something very important. I was enormously, enormously fortunate to have put
1: together a screenplay that was a small thriller. no surprised that I'm still doing small thrillers. A small thriller that was bite sizable with not too many moving parts. Hint, hint. If I'd have said, I want to do Midway with battleships and explosions, they'd go, you're not ready for that. Right. But I said, seven characters, three locations, uh, kind of a, a body heat, double indemnity type of film Beginning, noir thriller. Middle and an end. Beginning, middle, and end, yeah. And I literally made the best film I possibly could make. However, It was well-directed, well-cast, well-lit. We got done early, blah, blah, blah. Everything was great. There was just one small, tiny problem, the screenplay. The screenplay was boring. And the film, guess what, was boring. So I woke up 20 minutes after, or 20, Excuse me, I woke three, I woke up, I'm trying to get the story correct. I woke up, you gotta edit this Bobby. Yeah. I, woke no. up, I woke up three months after um,
0: delivering this picture and went, I can cut out 20 minutes and nobody would ever miss it. Welcome to Creative Mind on Urban Nights Radio. I'm Bobby Brill and for the next half hour we are going to get some great advice from some working filmmakers. Specifically, the first part of making your film, the script. But we're not gonna talk about story. I mean, even a bad story can become a film. I mean, we've all seen those. Heck, with any luck, you're gonna get to work on some of those in your career because bad films are, of course, the best learning experience you can get. But we're gonna get into some of the tips on working with a script, getting a script ready to shoot, and then later on, some insights from a producer and some simple tips on formatting that script. But first, let's get back to Doug Campbell and get his take on an important skill needed to be a working director, the skill You cannot go into production with a screenplay that's weak. So I put myself
1: back into screenwriting, self-imposed screenwriting school. So I started reading everything I could on screenwriting and reading other scripts and and writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. So honestly, and I'm not, Uh, Maybe I'm bragging, but I can honestly tell you that when I'm hired to deliver a screenplay that that will work as Entertainment that will work as you know dramatic narrative Conflict driven conflict in every scene uh, fiction I do that and and my my directing success is Walking hand in hand with the fact that I can write I would not be directing if I couldn't write, every time I get a directing job or I get an arrangement with an executive producer who trusts me, it's usually I'll write that script. I'll rewrite the script that you guys want to make because it ain't working right now, and I'll rewrite it. But I'm directing it, and they go, "Okay." So it's the writing that gets me there, and that's and that's the best leverage. Uh, you can have is to, is to be able to write and also be able to direct. About half of the films that I've done have been, hey, we have the screenplay and, and we want you to direct it. So I get, the, I get those offers. Now, oftentimes there's a little bit of polishing to be done and sometimes there's a lot of polishing to be done that I don't take credit on, but there's a lot of... But, you no, know, it's half and half now. It's half and half now, but I'm trusted as a storyteller. I'm trusted as a writer and a crafter of the whole story. And if we get into a bind on set and I have to write a couple pages of dialogue or a couple lines of dialogue or change something or change a prop or whatever or make that writing decision, we don't have to have a confab and have everybody's opinion, just the writer-director just goes, oh, wait, hey, give me a second, guys, and we just do a quick, quick little rewrite and we, do, we shoot it. So that's an advantage. So I, I recommend directing students, yeah, learn, learn where to put the camera and learn how to talk to actors and learn how to do all that wonderful stuff that directors do on a movie set. That's all good. But you better learn story. Story is where we make our, our, our money as directors. We are the chief storyteller on that show, whether you like it or not, especially in low budget. It
0: seems so, you know, it's funny when you look at stuff that you're talking about your films being low budget. Yeah. And we're even looking at TV because a lot, you know, you're doing, would you say it's primarily TV movies? Or do okay, you, the what act- we do, yeah, you're right. That's great. It's great that you asked that. And what we do truly is this. We
1: do independent films that work as, feature films that will play uh, theatrically overseas, or they will play on television overseas. Now, nowadays, it's all TV. It's TV overseas and TV domestically. But we make them as completely independently financed
0: spec movies. Now, a good story has many parts to it. The setting, the characters, the conflict, the resolution, and if you want to get really fancy, the denouement. And there are some great scripts out there, one that you may even write that has all of that. And you can shop that around, get that in front of an agent, and hopefully get your movie made. That's one path. But in the world of low budget, the world that Doug works in, ideas are generated just a bit differently, as he explains to me and also Steadicam operator Justin Yaga.
1: Most movies are, hey, I've got this idea to do a movie about blank idea. And let's see if we can package that and get big name director and big name actor and go get the money and get the, you know, the, the, the uh, completion bond to go do it. And we can we can go into production on this thing and we need, you know, five to ten million dollars to do it or four million dollars, whatever the, the goal is, or 80 million dollars, whatever. And these are big scores. You know, anything over a million dollars these days is a bigger budget film. Right. It is. And those are most people's. Uh, that's the way most of these uh, uh, Producers practice. I don't work in that game. I'm basically an order filler our boss says I want to make a movie about Blank subject. Yeah, he goes like like for instance. We're in, we're in post on a film called deadly flight. Okay, and we were, we were at lunch and we were talking and uh, the producer said, well, uh, uh, what, about, what about a location destination type films? And the producer uh, said, well, I've got my brother-in-law's got an airplane. Oh, why not a movie about a crazy flight instructor? Okay, so that was a year ago and now we're done with this movie. So yeah, that was a year ago last spring and we wrote it in the summer and we shot it in the fall and now we're finishing it now. So, so that, you know, that's how it came about. Oh, let's make a movie about a crazy flight instructor. Is that how most of them come to yeah. you? Okay. You have a very basic prompt, sure, and then you flesh that out. Or, or lately, it's been, and this is lucky for me, is come up with some ideas, Doug, about, uh, um, uh, like what did he say? Domestic help gone wrong. Okay, so, so, okay, the maid, the caregiver, the milkman, whatever, and you, and I pitched him a bunch, and he picked um, one that I came up with my niece because uh, she's an interior designer, uh, deadly decorator. So we're going in for Deadly Decorator. I was just on the phone with the producer right now for that. Deadly Decorator I mean, I and I think you're speaking to a real me, this is a real problem. <laughs> that's right, know? that's it right.
0: Little, but no, and having we're just, also we, doing
1: track we, by my caregiver.
0: Re- yeah. Remodeling a part of our house, uh, you know, I can see where all of the murder wants to happen when right. you're dealing with this.
2: Absolutely. there's a lot of anxiety lot letting of somebody, anxiety. you know, who you don't know into your home.
0: Yeah, yeah you, you murder is right. at the
2: top of your mind right. at that point.
0: So, so, so
1: I've been I've been, I've been doing a lot of these very
0: Are you just silly... paranoid about everybody at this point
2: no, that's writing it. all of these <laughs> I've
1: been doing a lot of the silly uh, uh, thrillers that are fun. We all know there's a bit of a sense of humor going on with them. And then every once in a while, uh, a serious drama comes around about a bizarre subject. Like, for instance, we did this movie, which has a terrible title, called Double Mommy. And it's it's on TV. You can see it now. And it's about a girl. I didn't write it. But it's about a girl who is impregnated with twins. And one twin is the child of one father, while the other part of the twin relationship is the father of another one. And that's actually a thing that can happen. And so, and we explored that, the writer explored that, and we made a movie about that, and that's a, just a straight-ahead drama about what would happen if that were to happen. And that was fun to do. That wasn't any thriller element, really. I mean, it was, the guy goes nuts at the end, but the most of it was just a drama about what people go through.
0: What is your thinking, uh, aside from the creative side, um, when you're looking at a script, how are you going, here's where money goes, here's where it doesn't, here's where we need to work on tricks, And how how do you break down a script for now a 12-day shoot?
1: That's a great question. Uh, I have always subscribed to what my teacher, Alexander Sandy McKendrick, taught me back in the day, which was if you can cut it out without ruining what's left, then by all means you cut it out, whether it be screenplay, whether it be performance on set when you're directing, blocking on set when you're directing, or in the editing room. So if you can get rid of it, it'll tighten the rest of it and, and the, the, the good elements will shine through more. So, so that's, the, that's the main thing is you go through that screenplay and you go, is this moment necessary? Is this scene fat? Get rid of it. If you can, do you need it? Get rid of it, get rid of it. Get it down to as small a task as possible because you'd only have so much time to shoot it. So knowing what's fat and what's lean what is not necessary to propel the story, to propel the characters, propel the plot in a, in a motion picture script is, is part of the craft.
2: And in that writing process, is that a collaborative process between you and your producer, or is that mostly just you going through it over
1: and it's over? Both. and both. It's both. It's both. The yeah. producer can make those notes if you don't see them, and I'll try to make them now. After doing a number of these, I'm able to spot most of them, and then sometimes people will point stuff out. Of course, you know, you write a script, you think it's all, all is perfect. You show it to your friend, and you go, "Oh, you're right. I don't need that scene," or or that can be condensed, or whatever. Let's, you know, whatever you can get rid of. You know, I was directing my second feature film at age 25. And I sat at at Photocam Labs with a bunch of executives in the back, and I had a yellow pad on my lap, and I was taking notes, and we would screen the film. It was a film called Zapped Again. And we would screen the film, and and the producers would go, okay, that moment, that can go. Okay, that moment, that can go. Okay, that line, we can get rid of that line. And I was just writing all these notes going, my God, they're destroying this film. No, they weren't destroying this film. They were tightening the film. They were improving the film by getting rid of, getting rid of, getting rid of and tightening, tightening, tightening. Now, you ask about scheduling that. That is an art form unto itself.
0: Yep, a simple idea over a few drinks at lunch can end up on the big screen. It really can be as simple as that. But to pull that off, of course, you need to learn a few things. Well, you need to learn more than a few things. You need to learn a lot of things. Something like script coverage, one of those entry-level jobs that can launch a career, And here, Associate Director of the Motion Picture and Television Department Randy Levinson talks about. This is one of the most important
3: things that you could possibly learn as a producer, as a director, and as a writer. People are hired as script readers. It's one of the best entry-level jobs in the studio system in Hollywood or New York. And what they do is they take this pile of scripts and they're assigned to present a log line which is a one-sentence summary of the script, a synopsis of the script, which is a summary of the the script, and also comments. What do you think about the script? And the reason that you do this is there are various reasons. Busy producers, busy directors, they want to get a sense, is this something that I should take off my pile and actually read myself? So it's really about your quality of writing, how well you write, how well you describe a, a story. I tended to focus on what is the synopsis and what is the log line. One sentence description, what's the general premise of the story, must include the protagonist and major story elements. Conflict, what are the stakes? What are the goals of the protagonist? Who is the antagonist? You wanna make it very concise, which means very short, and you wanna make it
0: zing. You can hear more from Randy Levinson and Doug Campbell, of course, by subscribing to our YouTube channel or to our podcast by heading over to anchor.fm slash creative mind and hitting subscribe. Because as more and more film writing and production career opportunities are on the rise, producers are always on the hunt for the next generation of talented and, of course, skilled creative professionals. At Academy of Art University, you're going to get those work ready skills that employers want. You can study on-site in downtown San Francisco or, right now, anywhere in the world. Yeah, anywhere in the world with our online programs. To request info about our more than 40 areas of study in art and design, including game development, fashion design, motion picture and television production, just visit our website at academyart.edu creativemind creative mind. Now, let's get a producer's take on filmmaking with Academy Award nominee of such films as *Goodwill Hunting and Manchester by the Sea, Chris Moore, as he talks with our very own Academy Award winner, Jana Memel.
4: I came out to Hollywood and I worked in a mailroom and I I liked reading scripts, I think, is when I started realizing I could probably sell screenplays. Then I got into the agency and I sold a bunch of scripts as a young agent and I had a good time, but I got really frustrated because as an agent, you sort of, you put out the first vision of what that script could be. And then you go to the premiere, and the movie sucks, and you're just like, what the f- just happened to this thing? And you're like, I know, I should go be a producer, because the producer at least gets to ride the project all the way through. Then my first movie that I went out and financed and made was god-awful, and I was there every second of the day. And I was like, well, I really don't understand what I did wrong, but this movie's horrible. And I was like, so each time I would look at it, then I, then I was like, well, the money people are stupid, so I should raise my own money, and I'll pay for it, and then it'll be better, and then that turned 50-50, and then you know, then I did, I directed a little horror movie, I've directed a couple documentaries, I've worked with people on stuff. And, it, and the thing about the professional storytelling at a, at a bigger level is it is so collaborative, and it is a little bit out of everybody's control. It has to come together in a way that really works. And so what I have found in my career was after having a number of those jobs and trying to figure it out, I like the producer part of it. It's just hands-on enough that I feel like I'm making something. I'm not an executive, just supervising the people who have the fun job. Um, but it's also, uh, it, I'm not really a director. I'm not really, I'm, I'm pretty good at it, I think. But I, it's not something I wake up every day going, man, I should be the one to tell this story. I wake up every day saying, this story should get told and then figure out how to tell it. So how many, on the average, how many drafts do you think a script goes through from the time it first leaves the agent's hand to the time we're in the theater watching it? I mean, six, seven. And I mean, again, if you're talking about quick rewrites for production, like where the colors of the pages change, it's probably 20. Um, You know, And then you also have the five or six drafts before it ever got to the agent. Right. You know, so writing is, is an iterative process and there's a little bit of marketing in the sense of, well, maybe we should do this differently or we should try this. I was just telling somebody that on Good Will Hunting, we took 50 pages out of it when we sold it the first time. We sold it for a million dollars. We were like, this script's genius. We're the best ever. And the first man, they're like, this doesn't really work. You're like, wait a minute. You just paid us a million dollars. Like what? And, uh, and they were right. And we took it out and I think it made the movie a lot better. But it was rough going from 130 pages to 60. I think the other thing for me is I really look for projects or or stories that I relate to, like that I I can't really sell or do my job if I don't actually like it. It's not like a piece of business for me, but I like all those different kinds of movies. So I had as much fun making Joyride, you know, it's a horror movie about a crazy trucker and, you know, that kind of stuff as I did Making Goodwill Hunting, and I remember so clearly. I had this guy who wanted to be my agent so badly, and Goodwill Hunting had just gone through the Oscars, and everybody thought I was a genius. And I was, uh, and he comes up to me, and I walk in, and I say, "Look, I, f- I read this little script that Universal has, and they really want me to produce it, and I'm going to go produce it." And he read it, and he called me up and said, "You've lost your mind. You cannot produce this movie after Goodwill Hunting." And I'm like, "What are you talking about? It's great." And 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 he's like, "Cause you know it's not an Oscar movie. It's..." you know, super, you know, R-rated, it's whatever, and that was American Pie. And I, I wouldn't trade doing American Pie for Goodwill Hunting ever. And I wasn't trying to put myself in the box. And I tried to get Matt to be in Goodwill I mean, to be in American Pie. So that would have been funny. That's what uh, role. Uh, originally, I tried to get him to do Stifler. But again, for me, I, I grew up in the movie theater. I like these things. The thing I've never really done is a big effects movie, but I love Star Wars. I'd love somebody to ask me to do that. But in my mind that's not what i do for a living like to me that's like somebody saying when you come do brain surgery
0: so it does sound like that low budget just might be the way to go and right now it's a pretty good time to make a low budget film it doesn't really take much as doug said earlier few people few locations a good idea you can pull it off come on american pie is an american classic and yeah goodwill hunting's not that bad either But as Chris talked about, a lot of work goes into making your first few films, and that work only gets more intense as budgets drop. And if you want to make something on time and on budget, Doug's got a few more tips for you. We will basically write five or six to seven drafts of the script.
1: We will do 14 drafts of the schedule. Because the schedule is, is, hate to say it, sometimes more important in the screenplay because if we can't get it shot on time we're not going to get the film made. Now the screenplay is of course more important than anything else but once the screenplays there and it's locked we will work on that schedule and massage it so we can get all of the parts there and there's an art form to scheduling. You know obviously you schedule it with you know locations in mind and then rooms in the house or location in mind and how you will move the crew but you also have to schedule it with actors in mind such as oh she'll be in the makeup chair for an hour and a half. Actress number two, she'll be in the makeup chair for an hour and a half. If you need both of them at the top of the day and you only have one makeup person, you just screwed yourself because you're going to be waiting for people to get out of the chair for three hours before you can roll. So why don't we just start with a scene with one of the guys that only needs 15 minutes in the chair. While we're shooting with him, she's in the chair one at a time. You know what I'm saying? So it's a build. And also you don't call in all the extras for scene one. Because they're not going to get there, and then you have to build this enormous thing. You know, you start small, build up, the middle of the day gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then toward the end of the day, you start doing scenes that, that have less elements to them, so you can manage that. Scheduling is totally an art form, and the, and the first ADs of the world are, are much better at than I am.
2: That responsibility falls just on you.
1: Ultimately, it's my responsibility. If, this, if the schedule is uh, approved, and I say, yes, I, we can get that thing done, we can shoot it, no problem. If I don't get it done, It's my butt. So I am very closely embroiled with the first AD as we're doing that schedule to make sure that it can happen. And oftentimes, what we'll do is the the, uh, AD will have Movie Magic scheduling open on his computer, and I'll be next to him with the screenplay. And up comes a scheduling issue, and I'll go, okay, let's rewrite that scene to take place at this location so we can get that all shot in the same thing, okay, hang on a second, and I'll rewrite it. We have to, you have to with low budget. So, so once you get your locations and then your, your, your schedule starts to take shape, then you look back at your screenplay and go, okay, can we move scenes around in the script, change you know, one, one or two lines of dialogue in order to make this thing work, Better for the schedule to get the days done, and if you can do it, you do it. Now, if it's like, nope, nope, we can't, we can't change that. It has to take place this way. Then we'll fight for it and do it. But if it can be changed in order to make the schedule work more efficiently, you do.
2: One of the coolest days in your class was actually a scheduling exercise. It's mm-hmm. something that I had never thought about. You're like, okay, here's all of your day exterior scenes. Here's all your night exterior scenes. Yeah. This all here, here are your four locations, and then you get everything arranged perfectly, and then you're like, okay, oh, uh, executive producer, right, executive, scholar, uh, <laughs> we, we lost. This location, yeah. we have to do it here, and so then you're sitting there with the script, and you're like, okay, well, I guess this doesn't have to happen here. Yeah. I guess I can move it, and it just blew my mind how much work, right? How much Tetrising yes. goes in oh, yeah. to getting it to fit within that schedule. Right. It, it just blew my mind, and made me never want that to have to be my job. Yeah. Actually.
1: That's right. That's right. For instance, let's say that, um, okay, this is a simple one. Like, let's say there's a scene where. Uh, your, your characters are shooting baskets in the front yard, and they have a scene as they're shooting baskets in the front yard driveway. Everyone's got a basketball hoop on their garage. Okay. Let's say you book a location, and, and it's, it's the only location that you can afford. It's got the right look or whatever, and there's no basketball hoop. Okay? So... You have to have the scene where they're shooting baskets and go, you know what? We're just going to make it a scene where they are bad version. They're playing cards. Okay, great. Change the dialogue a little bit. What's really happening is so-and-so is confronting another person about such-and-such subject. It's not about the basketball playing. So that's just the business. So changing the business in order to fit the location, that's an easy one. So you do that a
0: lot. Well, no, but that—that that, you say that sounds so simple, but I, I you know, I think anybody on their first, second, third
1: yeah, film—you think the basketball's like, is important?
0: It, the, the ball represents yeah, their yeah, feeling.
1: Yeah. Now, if—if if the story is and the guy's a basketball player and it has to do with that, well, you obviously you can't get rid of that, so you better get a
0: basketball court, you know, etc. But so, if you can do it, you do it. So both Chris and Doug have made it clear that you better have a bag full of tricks to be a good writer, director, or even a producer. You better be able to think on your toes, which for some people who crave structure or hold on to every precious word in their script, it can make them a bit nervous, especially as it's the opposite of what a script actually looks like. There's a a very specific format, but there's reasons for that. And here, Stuart Thomas from Academy of Art University's School of Writing explains.
5: There aren't a huge amount of rules um, with screenwriting, but the rules that there are, are mostly uh, non-negotiable. You have to follow those rules or people will not read your work. And you want your work to be read because it's good. So you do not want formatting to be the thing that prevents your work from being read. One of the great things about screenwriting formatting is it's essentially the same across all platforms. That's because uh, when you submit a screenplay, The point is that all screenplays look the same, right? The only thing that distinguishes your work from anyone else's is the quality of the work. The work speaks for itself. That's why all of our screenplays look the same, so that nobody has an unfair advantage because they have a flashy font or a picture of themselves on the cover. None of that counts. It's just about the work. And the same is true for formatting. Formatting is all the same across the board so that everyone is following the same rules so that the work can be judged on its own merit and also so that certain conventions are understood universally. Your scene headings are practical things for whoever is involved in your production. Your locations manager, for example. Your screen headings give us vital information so that we understand the actual physical world and the practical world of the film as a production. So we always have exterior or interior, either we're inside or we're outside. A car can never be an exterior, okay? It can be an interior because we can be within the car. When you think your script is good enough, You can register with the WGA, which is the Writers Guild of America, West. And that's really good to do before you send your script out to the world. You want to make sure that your work is protected.
0: So there you have it. Some real advice from real filmmakers. Again, you can hear more from our talk with Doug Campbell and all the other guests by subscribing to our podcast at anchor.fm slash creativemind. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Creative Mind on Nights Radio. And to wrap it up, one last tip from Doug Campbell on being a working director. Thanks for listening, everybody. What are some tips to prevent you getting fired
1: the first day on set? Well, you know what? If you write the script and you own it and you haven't signed over the certificate of authorship, And you basically own the movie that's one way you can sort of like forget to sign that over (laughs) oh gee i just didn't have time to sign that contract you can hang on to the script that way don't do that that's actually under the table you don't know that um be organized just be organized if you if you have your ducks in a row and you show up well organized and you've done the paperwork everything that we ask you to do at good old academy of art university usa to do your prep work, do your shot lists, do your overhead floor plans, do your storyboards, do your scene breakdowns, have that paperwork with you, show up on time, speak to the actors correctly, speak to the crew directly, know how to make a decision, and people see, okay, that young director who's never done this before is incredibly organized. They would be foolish to get rid of you. You don't have to have a lot of talent. I'm living proof of that. You just need to be well organized and have your ducks in a row and be reliable. And you'll get hired again and again and again. They won't fire you because you're not a financial risk. Plus, if you work with actors and you know how to work with actors and you like working with actors, that's a large part of it because if you don't know how to talk to actors and deal with actors, that'll, that, that tension is, is noticed immediately. Do your job well and, and, and show up prepared and that's how you won't get fired. And own the screenplay.
0: <laughs> hey, just want to take a very quick break and say thank you for listening to Creative Mind. If you have any questions or thoughts, let us know. Click on the show notes for our email or head over to anchor.fm slash creative mind to leave a voice message.